0: Welcome to Higher Ed Advisor, the Baker Tilly podcast dedicated to providing insightful guidance and leading practices for college, university, and research institution leaders and board members. Experts and thought leaders in higher education finance, institutional operations, collegiate athletics and esports health and wellness, data analytics, and more. Join our podcast host, higher education practice leader, Dave Capitano, for biweekly episodes to discuss the latest news in higher education and the impact these trends and changes have on the industry. This is where you come to learn what's really going on behind the scenes at colleges and universities across the country.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Higher Ed Advisor Podcast. My name is Dave Capitano. I'm your host and the practice leader for higher education practice here at Baker Tilly. I'm really excited about today's podcast as I'm joined by two eSports specialists to continue our discussion about eSports and higher education. As many of you know, eSports has been a very popular topic, not only on this broadcast, but also worldwide as it continues to grow across all different areas. So it's great to have Dan back. Uh, some of you have learned from our first episode podcast with Dan. Um, he's a very much an eSports investor, expert, and enthusiast in the area. He's managing partner for both Nations Ventures and eSports Ventures. Uh, Dan and I first met while he chaired, was the chairman of the board for uh, Wilkes University. And since then, he's taken me under his wing and helped educate me on this fascinating world of eSports. Dan has since introduced me to a lot of experts in the area, particularly our next guest, Doc Haskell. Doc is the head coach of the varsity eSports team and associate clinical professor at Boise State University. He was recently named Coach of the Year for the 2019. 2020 by the National Association of Esports Coaches and Directors. In addition to overseeing and having the winning records in five of the biggest collegiate esports titles, DOC helps oversee the independent broadcasting of more than 200 hours of original esports content on the Twitch channel. It's evident that DOC has done a great deal to move forward positive recognition for esports nationwide. Welcome, Doc and Dan. Thank you both for joining us in this podcast. Let's get started. Up until about two years ago, eSports really wasn't on our radar. It wasn't really on clients' radar. It wasn't a conversation we're having in boardrooms. It wasn't my presidents, my CFOs weren't asking me about it. It wasn't really something that came about. Dan put the bug in my head, and he did it. So I start asking, I start poking around, I start asking more clients. And lo and behold, the more you asked, the more I found out about this gaining popularity of esports on our our college campuses. And you dug a little bit deeper, and I found out, hey, there's a lot of benefits that could be derived here. And then COVID hits, and all of a sudden schools are panicking and they're scrambling and they're shutting down their varsity programs. No one's playing basketball, no one's playing football. Student athletes are looking for what's their future looks like. Schools are asking me what schools are doing to stay uh, sustainable. Where are they turning? Where's alternative ways of generating revenue? And I'm like, hey, as far as I can tell, your esports programs are still going. And by the way, they're probably going stronger than ever right now. And they're going, esports? Wow, we can't do that. There's too many problems. There's violence. There's there's discriminations. We don't want any part of that. Well, I said, hey, that's great. School over there just recruited 30 more students that you can't have anymore. So... Yeah, that that seems That's to true. be the going, seems to be the story. So Dan was kind enough to give me some time and we dropped a podcast on a lot of the challenges that from his perspective, you have maybe you had a chance to listen to that. I want to pick your brain from the coach's perspective. And I outlined some topics that was there. Love to dive into your history, how you got here, the benefits to Boise State, the benefits to your students maybe some of the challenges, talk me, talk me through the journey, you know, where you got started, how you got here today. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to gig you a little bit here because I'm I just Googled the top collegiate esports out there and you're, you're ranked number 11 and I am kind of a little bit disappointed there. So <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, I want to know where you stand with that and where, how you're going to get up into that, that top three. So
0: Well, if we can do all that in the next 45 minutes, I would say it would be a great conversation. We we yeah, we can definitely get there. Well, I mean, I'll just I'll just tie that to East Coast bias. Boise State has always struggled to get the appropriate respect, whether it's the blue turf, which we cover our stage behind me also with blue turf, whether it's the blue turf or just being out in the in the you know mountain time zone. There's there's something we we keep beating the big schools, but still we end up on the the wrong side of that list.
1: Well, I think list there's a little bias buys. going on with the television, but we'll, we'll save that for another another yeah. conversation. So, uh, all right, Dan, uh, <laughs> Dan, our audience loved you. They loved our first podcast. I mentioned to you that we had more listeners than we've had in any other podcast we dropped. So, you, you are our audience favorite here. So, tell me how you and Doc met.
2: Well, I, you know, and I, I really want to make this a Doc show because he's got so much knowledge to impart on the audience. But what, what happened was I was approached by uh, a firm that was responsible for the Maui Invitational Basketball Tournament. And they, uh, due to the pandemic, were really worried about whether they could have the basketball tournament in Hawaii. They ended up having the tournament, but they did it in a bubble in Asheville, North Carolina. But they wanted a, a replacement for that, and they came up with this idea: of the esports. And and so the idea that we had was that we would take the top level basketball teams, including North Carolina, Indiana, UNLV, and we'd match them up against the top esports teams in the country. And we thought that would be appealing for these uh, top esports teams to uh, basically beat up on the uh, you know, big name schools. We decided to do it in Rocket League, and we did not necessarily want to do the top Rocket League team. We wanted the top esports programs. And the name that kept coming up when we asked around was, was Doc's name. Doc Haskell, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating here is that he's a legend in the business. And, uh, or in the, in the area, and Boise State has a, a, a program that is widely respected. So once I felt like if I got Doc on board along with the Harrisburg Group, then the other folks would, would come along. And, and so once, uh, once Doc signed on, he was sort of my behind the scenes You know, when I said, okay, what are the other top programs we should get involved? And he basically uh, told me the key people that got involved and uh, the event was very successful. So that's how Doc and I started our conversation.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So, so Doc, I mean, how do you get here? How do you how do you get to the point where you're at today? I mean, where did where does this journey start for you?
0: Well, I've been a teacher for about 20 years, and this is simply an extension of that. I teach. Uh, And so uh, right now I I teach our our gamers men and women how to prepare for competition how to improve how to use the knowledge they have in the game and how to be more successful every day that that results in some wins certainly but more than anything college sports is is about personal improvement being a better teammate being a better communicator just becoming the next version of your of yourself and we can do that with games as well as we can with other you know, stick and ball sports, the really the path for me, I mean, I don't want to, you know, go into it. So I'll try to make it a haiku professor research. Esports is going to be big. Oh crap. I'm in charge. I think that works. (laughs) Five, seven, five. Yep. I think it does. But Truly, uh, I was researching it for a, a, a keynote. I, I made some discoveries talking with some outstanding folks like you're talking about, Mark Depey, Kathy Chong, also UCI, AJ Dimick. met up with uh, with lots of folks who were in that first Kurt Melcher, in that first uh, grouping, uh, the folks at uh, Miami, Ohio as well, Glenn Platt, and discovered oh this is going to be really really big took it forward to our university saying we could really develop something here it's early enough that there's there's going to be a gold rush but we're already here it's going to take them a season to get into position and learn what they need to learn but we may have an advantage and our president at the time said yeah let's do this and uh, i was not clever enough to get out of the way unfortunately they uh, i got swept up in it and and they put me in charge Which was not my original plan.
1: So, give your listeners a little bit about the 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 timeline here. What year was this? What are we talking about?
0: I started investigating it in 2017. We had a signed MOU on campus, which basically established who this intellectual property belonged to on campus. We're an uh, academic department. I was in the College of Education, teaching in our master's and doctoral program, and we developed it there. In 2017, we had our first matches in the fall of 2017, and into 2018, it has never stopped. Um, We just played our 815th match competitively in the last four years, and probably this weekend we'll win our 500th.
1: So you came a long way in a relatively short period of time, which seems to be the MO for a lot of the people I'm talking to. It's oh, for sure. It's just going gangbusters on start. So there has to be a lot of growing pains along the way. So you mentioned the president at the time said, hey, let's go for this, but- Something tells me that conversation wasn't as quick and easy as you you just alluded to. So give me well, a little bit more background on what the original investment. It's higher ed. Was. Yeah,
0: it's higher ed, of course. So it, yeah. it nothing is ever, well, let's do that. Somebody got a pen, let's sign <laughs> this thing, right? That just doesn't happen. Uh, we, we identified the value uh, to the university and I, my department chair called it breadcrumbing. Um, instead of making a, a, a pitch. I said, I don't want to take a full meeting, but um, can you give me two minutes every day? But you got to promise me you'll either read or watch the thing I send you. Right. And I just curated. Well, the whole time that was getting sent to the dean of our college mm-hmm. um, and then to the provost and and then to the president. I, I just was showing them what was happening. And, and after about a week, he said, stop sending me stuff. Come in and talk to me. And I'm just saying you know there's there's an opportunity here but we realized we needed an mou to actually make it official on campus it became a unit not a department but a unit and and then it had you know the, all the things you need on a campus to to be successful you needed an account code right so you could make purchases or bring money in we needed a space i already had a classroom that was uh, being utilized and i repurposed it for uh, for that as well, and then we just started pursuing all of the financial instruments necessary to buy equipment, to refurbish space, to do the things that we wanted to do.
1: All right. So, did you, you start off as a varsity sport, a club sport, a team sport? I mean, where where does it start on its its? Uh...
0: We already had clubs playing some of these games. It was in our MOU that we we described it as a varsity program, and. For us on our campus, we have other varsity programs already, so it fit within a box. And a lot of campuses, it doesn't. So cheerleading, marching band, dance team, all varsity programs, right? They use the, the name of the university. They have the ability to represent the university in competition, uh, but they are not tied to athletics, so they follow different rules. Dance team would be a great example. It doesn't really fit Title IX because there aren't enough boys, right? If they were Title IX, they'd have to balance that. So you can have a varsity program and have a level of inclusion that is not necessarily metered by the Title IX uh, All right. qualifications. So, so
1: good clarification for our listeners, then, that you're not subject to the NCAA Title IX rules, you're not subject or the NCAA rules or the Title IX rules, but you do have some of the benefits of being a varsity team from a branding standpoint. How about from a scholarship standpoint?
0: Right. So this year we, have, uh, we had $100,000 in, in scholarships awarded. Next year it'll be 150000 moving forward. And for us, that scholarship works more like awards, right? Scholarships in the traditional sense are singular and many people apply for them and then they're selected by committee awards like marching band or even athletic awards or scholarships are based on other sets of rules. So we have about 29 students, 28, 29 students this year on scholarship and various amounts based on need, how far they travel to go to school here, um, what elements they provide. But there was a, an article recently in the AP identifying where scholarships are going in collegiate esports. And 15 of our scholarships go to male players, five of them to female and three to non-binary students. But it's across games and also into our broadcast sphere as well. So we we scholarship writers and broadcast production and on-camera talent. Um,
1: all right, so we we go back again at the beginning. You 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 got the pitch. You got people saying, "Hey, this looks like sense." You got the you got the space to do it. You got you got people interested in in supporting you. Someone gives you a budget. They gave you a GL code, but someone's giving you a budget, right? So you got some dollars to play with, or or you're looking for donors. You're looking for sponsors. You're looking everywhere you can. The only thing I didn't hear yet, you got students. Where
0: where, where did they come from? Well, we started with the students we had. You know, you- okay. Ask the Pied Piper, you know you just start playing the play the flute and see who follows. And for us, that was uh, I guess that in that story it was rats, wasn't it? that's a, that's not an apt analogy. Uh, but but we were answering what our students wanted to an extent. You did mention that we're not subject to NCAA guidelines or restrictions. we, self-impose the same expectations that apply to us of our our athletic program so 20 hours a week 24 weeks of contact grade limitations uh, bronco code expectations we treat them in the same way that the other student athletes are treated because we want them to be seen and respected as student athletes but we also want to hold them to that really that campus code if you represent us here's here's what you do and if if you're not up to that task, that's okay. You can do what you want to do. But for our varsity teams, we we need people to to match that level of expectation. We're not we're not compelled to by the NCAA, but we choose to culturally on campus.
1: You mentioned your unit. Is that the way I understood it? So you called it
0: was it? It's defined as a unit now on on our campus. Okay.
1: And so you're outside of the athletic department budget. So you're not competing from a a budget standpoint with your traditional varsity sports teams.
0: No, in fact, we don't, we don't have a university delivered budget of any kind. Uh, We're fully self-support, but we, because of the, the broadcast level of, of what we do, it allows us to bring in money. Now we have been offered in the past a Learfield contract, which we, we did not accept. We, we do, we do more with what we what we develop ourselves, uh, along with that. So our budget our budget is about three hundred seventy five thousand a year, which we're a public institution, so that's all public knowledge, mm-hmm. and uh, and all of that is raised through our sponsorship uh, and other other fundraising efforts.
1: And your your current varsity team houses twenty nine student
0: athletes. Uh, we have about 35 students attached to the program. We gave out 29 scholarships. Okay, um, okay. that's 29 year.
1: scholarships on the 35. All right, good. So we have a good understanding of the size of the organization. All right, so um, we're sitting here, and you mentioned that you, you, you're you subject your student-athletes to the same rigor that any other student-athlete at on the campus goes under. Uh, they have a, a code of honor that they need to live up to to represent Boise State. Are they allowed into the varsity weight room?
0: Not yet. We're going to have some meetings next week with our new uh, athletic director. And one of my big interests is I'm sure that there's a, there's a connection uh, between the the departments. We're we're essentially a, you know, a television studio. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on our broadcast desk right now, right. Just as we, as we have this conversation, but we offer a lot of value to what, to what, uh, they do potentially and we want our students to have some support services that um, that some of the other student athletes have um, which includes you know kind of the, the the study hall and and those kind of uh, pieces uh, enrollment placement in dorms you know those those types of things and so I, I think that there's a future i don't know that it's it will be as a fully functioning part of our athletic department um, but i know that there's some crossover there that we can support our students better and that and that part interests me so no varsity weight room yet we have some great student facilities already but i think that some of those crossover moments are kind of coming
1: yeah i see i see it in the future it has to has to come our way so i think it's gonna demand is going to be there the the students start populating a big part of the population on campus and you're going to see more and more of that support coming your way
0: and i'll say this and this might be valuable to your listeners as well you know i mean such a huge part of the process for athletics is recruiting and those recruiting visits right those recruiting visits become really important one of the esports would immediately bring to a recruiting visit is imagine a student walking through the athletic facility but also seeing the esports space attached to the athletic facility the cool room a broadcast going on there's a tournament going on And then they can see, you know, because the vast majority of student athletes are playing other games in their free time. They go from practice to class, to eat, to play. Right. And and being able to recognize that part of their interest, of their their lifestyle represented. Oh, my gosh, my campus has this is a huge recruiting tool. Yeah, I, I I can
1: see it uh, firsthand with regards to a lot of a lot of the advertisements we see at the professional level with some of our professional athletes in the gaming rooms and playing these sports. It is a big part of that, and I love the way you just described it for us. That you know you got some of these universities. We don't need to drop the names where they're building these elaborate water slides on their athletic facilities. Maybe maybe the esports room was being more attractive to some of those student athletes. Right, I get it. All right, so the student-athlete, give me a little bit about how you're developing that that student-athlete and what that career path looks like for them when they leave Boise State.
0: It's a process. I mean, we're an ancillary unit, not a degree-granting program, and – That's by design in the same way that football or basketball are not degree granting programs. They're experiences. They're enriching experiences that that benefit the students who participate and the campus who also gets to participate uh, with them as as they compete as representatives of the campus. They they build help to build that campus culture. So our primary purpose is to give them a really meaningful experience where they they get to have consequential participation right they their participation in an, in our competitive effort impacts everyone at the university because we sh- we share the name and the flag together so so for us um, we're trying to develop i mean not, not to not to channel Coach K here, but we're trying to develop really high-functioning women and men who can take on any challenge that they get after they leave here. Some some will go on to be pro in something related to gaming. Others will go on to be pro in whatever they do. But we we only create create pros here, right? It's just Absolutely. that what they go pro in. That's the thing that's a is little Is there different. some
1: correlation between your average student athlete that plays eSports and a particular discipline or major or uh, passion they have for the industry?
0: They, like a lot of, I mean, it's. I think the corollary is to athletics, right? You get some folks who come into athletics and, and they... Uh, there's a heavier concentration in athletics for kinesiology, for coaching, for those because it's it's ancillary. Mm-hmm. For us, there's a heavier concentration toward computer science and game design and some of those types of things. But just like athletics, w- it runs the gamut. There, there are concentrations in those areas. But we have uh, music majors and electrical engineering majors and business majors. Uh, we have an economics major right now it's pretty cool. All
1: right. So, so doc, we're sitting here. You mentioned that you, you're, you're self supporting Anthony. I got to believe there's someone in the organization you're reporting up to. There's someone's questioning you, you know, it's Friday afternoon, the phone rings. Hey doc, why don't you come by Monday morning? I really like to understand the ROI in our program this year because I'm, I'm not so sure I want to invest in it next year. So how do you respond to that?
0: That's a good question. And I mean, we, we make no mistake. I mean, I, when I talk all the time, I talk about the, the value of insulating partners, right, is that uh, across a ledger, any department or unit, I mean, we're talking kind of higher ed theory here, but any department or unit um, will always be scrutinized. We don't generate courses. Therefore, we're not compared necessarily to course generating Organizations, which which I think is a good thing ultimately for us, and some colleges and universities, are like, oh well, we could turn this into a course offering, and and that's a that's a very valid use of that program. For us, it doesn't necessarily currently provide enough value. But what we do is that we'll have, I mean, I think we have somewhere in the neighborhood of fourteen different economically driven partnerships and sponsorships with big local businesses. That's kind of a big ball of Christmas lights to try to untangle. If you're, if you on a whim say, you know what, no more esports, right? Oh, okay. But we have, we do have a, you know, a a three-year total of a, you know, three quarters of a million dollar agreement with this massive local financial institution to support this. And we're providing camps for them and we're providing, you know, these tournaments and state championships so that they can provide for high school. You know, you start to, talk about those, those kinds of things, we, we look for meaningful partnerships in the community to give value back uh, so that we as, as a unit can support what we do, but also so that we can continue to have value in the, in the community. You're less blown around by the winds of change if you're actively supporting what your community is doing.
1: All right, let's let's turn our attention a little bit to everything's been rosy up to this point in this conversation. Everything's going
0: well. Oh boy, here we go.
1: Yeah. So yeah, right, So come on, uh, give us some of the give us some of the challenges. Uh, give me some of the things that the not so pleasant conversations you're having, whether it's with the faculty, whether it's with the other yeah. athletic departments, whether it's with. You know the leadership, whether it's with these contractual
0: relationships, guys like Dan. Where where are these challenges? Uh, guys like Dan. Where can <laughs> I even start with guys like Dan? Dan's amazing. It's interesting because in the beginning, the conversation is always about, well, really, we're going to have kids play. Vi- we're getting kids to come and play video games, right? That that was a difficult conversation that thankfully has has just kind of gone away. People don't question whether it has value, at least not where we are, right? We've established enough of what we provide. We do have a lot of conversations about equity and those are tough conversations, right? Because no one's ever satisfied with what the balance is, right? Equality and equity are two different ways to talk about the relationships, right? And and we seek equity, which is there are folks who have not had the same opportunities that other folks who reach out to our program have have had. Um, it's possible that a young woman or a person of color grew up in a place where they didn't have the opportunity to play the game enough to reach what we would consider the top levels, those layers that we would recruit. Equity for us is that we want to consider all folks, but especially those who have been underrepresented or underserved to this point. We want to find out what that person is made of and not just use their The games provide, in essence, a a Street and Smith kind of grading. Um, It's done through the games and it's based on their play history. But if you haven't played the game as many millions of hours as some of the other players have, that number is not going to look the same. But we have to be able to identify characteristics in players uh, and talent. I mean, people we want to bring into our program that make sure that we maintain a level of equity. Uh, within our program that we're giving opportunities to folks that we can develop and and become the starting players that we would expect them to become and not just take the evidence that that is presented on on entry that the game provides because there isn't equity in that number but there is equity in really trying to look at the at the person and identify well what what else is there what you know how would you contribute if you were here uh, because we're we're much better, so that's a tough conversation to have because on the other side there are young men who would be like, well, why does this young woman get this spot, and I'm ranked higher than that person, you know? And that those are tough conversations. Which is, you're 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 doing fine. Keep playing the game. Don't stop playing the game. Our conversation is not done, but for many reasons, uh, including things that the game doesn't tell us, we've selected this student to have this opportunity and we'll move forward. Your opportunity could come, but it just won't be today, right? Those are tough conversations to have because everybody wants to sort the deck by their own rules, right? We all want to sort the deck in a way that makes us, that gets us a little bit higher. You mentioned at the top of the, the conversation, the ranked 11th, right? But you know, that we have to be okay with, with other people's opinion of us in a sense, and that's a hard conversation to have.
1: Dan, just help me out here a little bit. You you mentioned to us on on our past conversation about the the ability to participate in these in these tournaments and these events and the promoters that are out there and the little bit of, I guess, of lack of of I don't know how best to say it, but it, it seems like it's a hodgepodge of miss and hit, hit and miss with regards to you know, getting these events off the board, who's running the show, how they're done. Help me explain that a little bit more and, and, and phrase that challenge out.
2: In terms of tournaments. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's no uh, real structure per se. That's I mean, we're the, still that, in the that, wild West phase here. So we don't really have uh, you know, big 10 does this and there's a conference play and you win and you go on to the championships and then of course, you, you've got different games. And so it's, it's and, and I think that the, one of the things that we talked about in, in the former podcast is that, you know, nobody owns football and basketball, but the publishers own the game. So if a publisher says, no, you're not going to do that tournament, you really don't have any, you know, you're not having the tournament. So you, could, you really have to coordinate, you know, as we found out when we did the Maui Invitational, we had... You know, ESPN, Twitch, the broadcasters on the one side, we had the sponsors on the other side. And then we had the, uh, you know, uh, Psionics and, and Rocket League, the publisher. And if, if you know, everything's got to fit together and everybody's got to agree on the ground rules. And uh, it's it's a much more complex situation than uh, in traditional sports where people have been playing. Football for a hundred years and, and and there's really a a set way things are done and there's contracts in place and everybody sort of knows how it works with sponsors and what you can advertise things like that and then the other the issue that that i'd love to hear doc's opinion in in terms of the chan the, you know it's it's front and center right now with college athletes getting paid and uh you know owning your likeness and uh and, and be able to profit from that as, as more and more of these people become Instagram stars and, and have followers. And so, you know, is it fair to tell a kid who who won thousands of dollars in high school that they can't play in college because they're a pro? Or is it fair to prevent uh, people from playing in tournaments over the summer? So I'm, I'm interested in, in, in Doc's opinion as to how you know, how do we move forward with that, with a set of rules that make sense for everybody?
0: That's maybe the, the hardest part. And that's a really good thought, Or a, a set of rules that make sense for everybody. And I, I I think that the answer probably is it it won't. Right. It won't. Um, I have the luxury of not having to administrate those types of rules for an entire industry, but rather I get to worry about the 35 kids that um, that I work with daily, and what those rules mean to them. I have a great example. There's a very, very well-known YouTube streamer or YouTube uh, content creator by the name of Wayton. He's a as a student athlete of ours, or has been a student athlete of ours, and we we have a rule in place that if you are working professionally or you're making over the the limit or you're you know lots of different sources of income that we want you to be a college student if you're here and so that rule is created not to isolate people but to have a conversation so we're able to sit down and go this is really going well for you right he's not in trouble he's starting to make money he told us about it you know it's like youtube is actually doing really good and i feel like i've got this kind of press to get out more content so i can keep the viewership up and get the subscriber count higher because then I can make this next level of, of money. I'm like, okay, this is this is really got a good conversation. Can you do all three? Can you be a, a competitive player? Can you be a streamer? Can you be a student? Uh, I, I fear that you'll be those in that order. And it's like, well, yeah, that's fair. So what the rules typically create for us are opportunities for a conversation. Can you be successful at all three of these things? If you have to take one of them away, what do you want to take away right now? Right. And we can have those conversations. So we actually pulled him out of our competitive lineup so that he could be a, a streamer and a student. He doesn't lose he doesn't lose his value for us in in our organization. He just changes role. And so for that full semester, he was part of our broadcast team and he learned more about the broadcasting communication. We connected him with some other really well known streamers and got him got him connected to what was going on. And we can do that if we, have, uh, if we have influence, if we have an opportunity to work with those students. If, if the rules themselves just, you know, eliminate people from consideration, there's really no opportunity to, to teach or to guide for us, those rules are helpful in helping us establish the, the circumstances by which they can be successful in school. And there is no other reason for them to come and play for us unless it is to work toward a degree, right? And, to, and this is that what that track is about. And if that's not for them, then we're going to encourage them. In fact, I've done this plenty of times. We introduce them to other folks you know, that w- could help them uh, at, at their next level. So yeah, that's kind of a strange way of saying it. I mean, yeah, the, I, these rules will come, and they'll be, they'll sound at, at first in a lot of places, you know, uh, to be not helpful, and people will find ways to abuse them. But at, at my level, as a as a coach and leader of this group, they're good to create the conversation. We're running out of time here,
1: right? So because this is all really good that's stuff. because we, co- we have a couple so more long.
0: questions we got to get on the on
1: Damn. on ours. Oh, so be before we get off. I, I I gave I teed you up for this one. So, you know, okay. when you when you think about where you're at in your journey at Boise State and, and producing this world class esports program, give me give me your thoughts. So I gave you three three uh multiple choice here. We're just getting started, you know, we're just at the beginning of it. We're well established. I think we're we're, we're kinda on our way or you know, it's kind of run its course. I'm not sure there's much more to
0: do. So where where do you put yourself? we're just getting started. A- 1869 college football formalized by Rutgers, Yale and Princeton and and they just got permission to play a, a a game that the students had already been playing but they got to play it with their you know the sweaters on. They got to play officially the institution. They got to represent themselves. It was 26 years uh, before there were enough teams in it that it was a it was a real flourishing thing. There are 880 college football programs, two year, you know, all the way up to Alabama, Clemson, right? Uh, When we started, I think we were the 24th or 25th school to add, we were the third division one or FBS school uh, to join uh, or to create a, a program. There are over 300 today and we've only been at this for four years. We, we have, it's, it's been around a little bit longer, but there will be a moment where college campuses will have more official, whatever that looks like on their campus, uh, esports programs, than there will be college football programs. That is not a statement of value. That's just a, a, an indication of how important this will be to, to colleges, right? This is the sport of this generation. Football is not going away. The number of programs may diminish as as schools struggle with it financially. And as you know, uh, there are fewer students playing uh, younger students playing football. So the talent uh, pool will be smaller in, in future years. But truly, I think we're right at the beginning. We're still at the beginning and and things Solidify every semester and become more comfortable than they were the previous semester. We develop more of a of a system. Um, we understand what our schedule is going to be like. We understand where we can put our time, and and how we can fulfill competition for our students a little bit more each semester. We know what that what that looks like. That year looks like. So I think we're right at the beginning. All
1: right. So what does what does Boise State esports look like? five years from now?
0: That's a really good question. I, I can tell you what the goals are. Honestly, the goals are to belong in the neighborhood of the schools that have been mentioned, Maryville, Harrisburg, you know, UCI, Mizzou, um, lots of those fantastic programs with amazing leadership. That's the neighborhood we want to live in competitively and, and program-wise. Um, I think in five years, there'll even be more Boise State graduates who are leading programs in in middle america or in you know wisconsin tech i don't think that's really a school but um I, I think that the expertise that um that our students are gaining now for boise state will be valuable in other places because we cover so much of i mean the competitive the the communication and broadcast side they get lots of experience uh, doing those things my guess is that 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 will be really common which was also we talk about football but that was that was largely the course of, of early college football, is that graduates from Princeton, Yale, and Rutgers were leading other school programs, including Notre Dame, which followed behind by 20-some years um, in, in their ability to maintain the same competitive level. Uh, I, I think that that's going to be a big part of it. Our, our tree of, of success, hopefully, will, will shade ground far, far away from here. And we'll be talking
2: about Boise State as the cradle of coaches, right?
0: <laughs> well, there are a lot of really, really good coaches out there. Uh, honestly, to be mentioned in the neighborhood, there's, there's no desire to dominate anything, but to belong with a, with a group of colleagues that you, you really respect, like the, like the folks I mentioned. That, that's the reward, right? It's so lonely at the very, very top. It's, it's, it's better to be part of a community that can share in each other's successes. Yeah. So,
1: uh, on that on that note, Doc, tell us, um, tell our listeners, give them, give us some advice for a group, or school, or university, a, a person in a similar position that you were back in two thousand and seventeen. Give them some advice on how to get started
0: lessons learned, Um, moral authority. One of the things that gets overlooked in the beginning, oh, we have talented players, we have machines, we have a program. You don't have a program without some kind of moral authority. Um, A a figure, an adult figure, not a a peer who can say, you're not going to play tonight because you didn't go to your test this morning. It's this This is not as important as that was. And I need you to learn that and you won't like it, but moral authority, right? Someone that um, can represent the greater values of the institution and have the player's best interest in mind when there is, when there's not a lot of motivation to do that, right? We want that great player in our game. We might not win without them, but this is more important than that. Moral authority is, is, is really important. And it Bonds those players together more because there is someone that they collectively have to be responsible to.
1: Thanks, Doc. It was a great conversation. Uh, really appreciate your insight, and I know our listeners did too. Uh, I'm certain that any organization out there you know, that's looking to invest and move forward esports program could gain a lot from this conversation. Doc, Dan, thank you both for being on the podcast. Uh, love the conversation. Look forward to many more.
0: Thank you for joining us today. To receive notification when new episodes become available, please subscribe to Baker Tilly US wherever you get your podcasts.